people think that this money is theirs. They think that their job is theirs. God gave you life. Like, I don't give people's logic as why they don't want to give. And welcome back to Pew Babies, your apostolic podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Clap. The apostle to the food. And um, it's another day, another night. How's your week been, you guys, in 2021? Been going good uh, so far, I think. <laughs> but yeah, has it been anything different? Yeah, it's been, mine's been pretty good. Pretty busy with work and school, but... Other than that, it's been pretty um, good. How's your week, Ron? Yeah, it's been overall good. It got busy later on this week, but I'm happy. So, How's your fast going? It's going well, for the most part. There's some things that I caved in on, but... Um, <laughs> as far as the food goes, I'm still holding on. So. My Lord. Did you, did you try it? Cough, cough. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I actually started the Bible in a year. Oh. So I'm on track. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> um, so I thought I would start us off again with um some Pew Baby trivia. And what Lord. better Pew Baby to talk about than uh let's feature Brother Timothy or Apostle Timothy. Um you guys probably know Timothy, he followed Paul doing ministry. So let's see how much you guys know about them. <laughs> so the first question is, who was Timothy's mother? And I can make this multiple choice. Multiple choice, please. Okay. Choice. Uh, so it's Rhoda, Lois, Eunice, or Lydia? Lydia? I'm going to go with Lois. Is that your final answer? Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. So actually, Lois is Timothy's grandmother. Eunice is his mother. Oh, I just went with the name. That sounded familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I realized before this, I didn't know much about Timothy, to be honest. So Um, what did Paul make Timothy do because um, of the Jews? And I'll make this multiple choice too if need be. No, no, I said definitely multiple choice on this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a random question. Okay, so uh, did Paul make uh, send Timothy to Macedonia? Did he make him shave his head? Uh, did he make him get circumcised? Or did he hide him in a synagogue? What did Paul make Timothy do because of the Jews? I'll give y'all another hint. There was a great debate about this oh oh you had an answer go ahead i don't wait can i ask a question yeah yeah yeah. was timothy a gentile okay so what i'll say is that timothy's father was greek Mm, circumcision final answer (laughs) okay i don't know 
I'm gonna say uh because you said it was a great debate. Um and I know this was always like a debate in the Bible, so I'm gonna have to say circumcision. Ding ding ding. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Um they made him get circumcised because you know Peter and them, they was like, We gotta go by the rules. <laughs> Y'all may be Gentiles, but we have to follow the rules. Okay, last one. And it's an easy question, so don't overthink it. How many books did Timothy write? How many books of the Bible did Timothy write? I would have to say one. A zero. Oh, no way. <laughs> don't overthink it. Paul wrote to Timothy. Come on, Apostle. Did he respond? Is he Googling right now? Yes. <laughs> Are you on Google? <laughs> I think it's one, though. Is that your final answer? Is it a one or zero? I don't think he wrote back. Can I phone a friend? Who's your friend? Apostle, he on Google. <laughs> I knew he was looking. Uh, actually, Google isn't even giving you an giving you giving an answer. How did? Um, Thanks be lying out here. No, um, because you said don't overthink. I want to say two, but honestly, being that I do know that um, Paul wrote to Timothy, but you know basically um giving him instruction um i almost want to say it's just one book but uh, i but i kind of want to go back to two all right go ahead what is the answer the answer is zero Hey, I was, I'm so the I reason was like, why I, I said don't overthink it is because you like we read the book of, like Timothy, but you're definitely right. Paul writes the letters, so yeah. he didn't write any chapters. I should have stuck with my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. So that is your pew baby Bible trivia, Apostle. <laughs> do you have anything for us this week? Yes, I do. Um, so we're continuing to. Um, look at um, churches. Um, we're looking at cities that millennials are moving to. So Detroit, Michigan actually came up as a city, which I didn't know this, that millennials are actually moving to um, in 2021. So uh, one church that I wanted to mention, um, it was formerly known as the Greater Apostolic Faith Temple, but it's now called Kingdom Apostolic Ministries under the pastorship of Bishop Lambert W. Gates Sr., they do have a campus in Detroit, Indianapolis, um, and in Marion, Indiana. Um, but the Detroit location was formerly known as Greater Apostolic Faith Temple. They don't have much on the church because now both the Indianapolis church and the uh, Detroit church are now combined. So it's like uh, one church, two locations. But they they are located at 4735 West Fort Street, Detroit, Michigan, 48209. And so we'll also include the church information in our show notes. They are part of the Pentecostal Churches of the Apostolic Faith. So if you're one of those people that have to find a church in a certain organization, they are in that organization. But yeah, uh, they have church right now. They have an e-church. So everybody's having e-church. So they have e-church from 10 a.m. 
um, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 6 p.m. Um, and they have Bible study at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. Um, you can connect with them on social media at Advancing Cam, K-A-M, that's Advancing Cam, all one word. Amen. Amen. Okay, y'all, so these are your church announcements, the best part. Okay, so the Pope says that women can read now at Mass, but still can't be priests. So Pope Francis changed church law on Monday to explicitly allow women to do more things during Mass, granted them access to the most sacred place on the altar, while continuing to affirm that they cannot be priests. Francis says that he was making the change to increase recognition of the precious contribution, air quotations, women make in the church, while emphasizing that all baptized Catholics uh, have a role to play in the church's mission. Any thoughts? How they become apostolic? What's going on? (laughs) It's a joke. (laughs) But give me your thoughts. I'm just surprised that it took so long for women to do something like that in mass, but y'all know I'm kind of conservative when it comes to I like I I don't necessarily believe in when preachers and priests. So I like I agree with the uh uh the Pope on that. Um but I definitely think that women have a role in the church and they should be active. And um a lot of churches don't run without the women. So um I'm glad that they're stepping up I guess. Scandalous. Oop. no uh i mean i didn't really i guess i never really paid attention to the catholic church but um kudos to them i guess for being progressive um i agree with ron like i don't think no church can be successful without women having their proper role in church whatever that role may be for that particular assembly um so yeah i think it's good that step that they're you know stepping it up um so who knows what will come out of it? They just need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Need to be filled with the Holy Ghost at the end of the day. So, Amen. Baby steps. My apostle baby steps. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. So now more pastors either avoid the topic of racism in sermons or um, receive criticism for what they do say. Uh, Now, despite all the race-related conversations Americans are having lately, more pastors say they're reluctant to address the topic in sermons compared to four years ago. Uh, In a new study from LifeWay Research, 74% of pastors agree their congregation would welcome a sermon about racial uh, reconciliation. Uh, That's down from 90% in a similar 2016 study. So according to new research, 16% of pastors haven't preached about race, racial reconciliation in the past two years. Uh, back in 2016, 7% of pastors said their church members wouldn't want to hear about racial reconciliation. Now that number is up to 17%. Any thoughts? <sighs> oh, wow. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, um, I think that you know, if you, if, if pastors are being silent, I think now is not the time to be silent about race. You know, in church, uh, it goes back to um, that article that I sent you guys the other day um, that we I sent you out in the group chat. Now is not the time to be silent. Um, I think that. 
if you are a pastor and you um, are mean business with God, mean any kind of business with the people of God, you're going to have to address it because now it has now definitely become the elephant in the room. Um, We can't turn our TVs on now without seeing it on television. You go outside your door, you know, you're met with it, you know, you, you know, go on social media. That's all you see. So at some point, somebody's going to have to address and say something about it. And what concerns me is the people that's not saying anything. Uh, One thing I've always learned is to listen to what people are not saying. So there's a lot of people that's not a lot of pastors that are not saying anything about it. That's being very passive aggressive about it in fear that they'll lose people. But are you fearing that you're going to lose racist people in your congregation? Are you, you know, fearing that you're going to lose bigots in your congregation and things like that? So I think it is time to have a conversation about the reality of racism, especially after these last four years, because now is definitely a, a beast that has been reawakened now. And I think it's probably worse than it, than it has ever been. So I think now I think it'd be a good time to start addressing it, but that's just me. Yeah. And I think the key word was racial reconciliation. And like before you can reconcile with something, you have to understand that there's a problem and that there's a division of it. And I think like Mike was saying, like by ignoring the conversation or refusing to talk about it, um, you're not even acknowledging that there's a problem that we have. And obviously there's a problem. I mean, (laughs) the insurrection that happened at the Capitol shows that there's a problem. So like I... I understand why I would like if I was a congregant, I wouldn't want to hear about reconciliation until my pastor has definitely said this is an issue that we're dealing with in America and also like in the churches. Like there's not a black and white church. You know, it's a it's a united church, but we can't be a united church until people recognize that their brother and sisters who are of color are going through a whole bunch of things. And like until that is actually confronted and addressed then it's hard to reconcile anything. If you can't see me as a full human and understand the the difficulties I go through, then how can we even have a discussion (laughs) or a fruitful discussion, I should say? Like you, you don't tell somebody who's blind, like, why can't you see? You don't tell somebody who's disabled or can't stand, like, why can't you come with that? Like, there's difficulties that come with all kinds of like walks of life. And until you recognize that, then what are we doing? So um, yes, pastors, please address it in your church, address racial injustice in your church, and then you can have conversations about reconciliation. Okay. Anything more to add, Apostle? The key thing like Ron said was, uh, you know, before you can talk about reconciling and this being a, you know, and, and us coming together and this being, you know, one race, the human race, that's been, you know, one of the biggest things that I've heard from, you know, these neutral people. Oh, it's just one race, the human race. No, it's not. Because if it was just one race, the human race, why are we being treated differently than, you know, our white counterparts, or our white brothers and sisters? And so, you know, I think to add, I'm going to let it go, but I think to add to what Ron was saying as well, I said, I, I think it's time for, especially our, our leaders, our evangelical leaders, that got black constituents and black people that follow your lead. I think it's time for you to do the work, do the research, pick up. If you can't do anything else, pick up a book, 
or pick up pick up a book written by somebody that's been in the struggle, not by somebody that has an idea of what they think racism is like. You know, pick up somebody that 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 pick up a book by someone that looks like us, that 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 has been through what we've been through. And if you can't pick up the book, sit down and talk to someone that has to walk the shoes of being a of being a person of color. I'm sorry, uh, in 2020, you know, why don't you sit down and talk with them and do that? But don't be passive aggressive in your um de- in your delivery on what you think racism looks like and how much you think that we've improved as a nation in racism. Because obviously, you're either blind, you're out of touch, or you're refusing using to really see what's what's really going on and you don't want to try to fix the problem you are a part of the problem all right so i guess we're gonna drop the mic on the church announcements right there and <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna leave it right there for our church announcements let y'all meditate and stew and brew on that in jesus name clap us out all right all right we're going to have a brief discussion because, okay, people have gotten the oh, stimulus Lord. checks. <laughs> you didn't get yours? That's what you want to talk about? Nah. nah. <laughs> you still didn't get yours? I still didn't get mine or my tax refund. Let's talk about that. But anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. I know. God bless them. Recently, like, people have gotten stimulus checks. But I've also noticed that there's a trend, particularly I'm seeing with, like, a lot of the younger generation, where people will like send me friend requests and then go on my DM and say, can you hit my cash app? Or people will, (laughs) I know, I know, shocking. I feel like money is being talked about so much all the time. That's why this topic came to my head. But um, the question I want us to talk about this week is, are we too rich for Christ? And so I guess the first question that we should address is, can you be rich and be a Christian? Um, I think, well, I know you can. I think it depends on a person, of course, and their heart. Because some people are just naturally givers. That's why God blessed them with abundance, because he knows they're going to steward their abundance and what he gives to them. Um, But I know that having money does reveal the truth about people, um, how they are when they have it, how they are when they don't have it. Are they irate? Are they doubtful? Are they anxious? Um, So, yeah, I think Christians can be wealthy but i think it's certain types that's all i want to leave it at that certain types of people who are designated for that type of wealth apostle can we be Um, rich and christian yes i do think you can be rich and christian um i think it goes back to you know what you're able to handle and what you you know cannot handle and i think um when we're talking about like being rich and and being a christian I think it's all about like it goes back to our conversation on modesty, you know, um, because modesty even goes there as well. Like I, I know a lot of of, you know, people that are saved, Holy Ghost field that are pretty much millionaires, but you would never know it because they're not flashy people. They're not, you know, all adorned in the designer. They're not all driving fancy cars. They just know like how to manage their money. They know where to put their money, what, you know, how to manage their assets and things like that. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of times we're not 
in certain places as far as like being rich and things like that because the Lord knows what we can handle and what we cannot handle, whatever. And I think sometimes, you know, if we had access to all the funds that we wanted to have access to, this is not a case for everybody, but some of us are not mature enough to be able to be Christian and be rich. That would be an oxymoron for some of us because for some of us, our riches would keep us out of the will of God. Our riches would, you know, push us out of the will of God. And that's not the way God has designed things to work for us, whatever. You know, if we if it's going to cause us to put him on the back burner and for him not to be first in our lives, then I don't think that, you know, God is going to provide avenue for us to be rich and then for us to turn our backs on him. We've seen ways through too many, you know, parables and too many stories throughout the word of God about how that has gone for people and it hasn't gone well. I think that raised a follow-up question for me. So there's relative poverty and there's absolute poverty, right? So relative poverty is compared to other people, I have more than you. And then there's absolute poverty when like, obviously anybody can look at your situation and be like, you're poor. And, And so it's interesting to me, especially as Americans, that we can view ourselves as poor in the first place, if that makes sense. I don't want to sound controversial, but I'm just saying like in the greater context of things, we are pretty rich. Most of us have homes. Most of us have cell phones. We have food, clothing. And so does that drive to like want to go to school and get a degree and get a good job? Wanting to um, do more and do better for yourself. Is, Is all of that like us actually doing too much? Should we just be content with what we have? Are you asking if we shouldn't pursue jobs and and have ambition? (laughs) I'm just saying like the whole reason why we have jobs and ambition, like, okay, what? I guess the, the true question is what's the motivation? We live in a capitalist society and it's to make money, right? Right. Um, so I think it's wrapped in our ideology of what, being rich is because for some reason for some reason in america or in other places being wealthy and being rich equates to being successful like you're a success period you know you got a good job you did this not necessarily having a good job it's just mainly the numbers in the bank because you have people who don't expect to work hard they see the media the rappers whatever celebrities and they try to equate their wealth to that like you said relative poverty um but i think first of all from a christian standpoint you're not supposed to be comparing yourself to nobody the bible says do not compare yourselves among yourselves um i know when it comes to like physical things like you shouldn't be comparing yourself spiritual i mean iron sharp is iron depends on how you take that you know but um that's a good way of comparison but then you have like the world's way. So if you do it the world's way, I think the ideology is money and the bank is success, period. Right. You know, a status, it gets you everything. And re- repeat the question one more time to make sure I'm understanding. I know I ain't answer it. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just want to make sure. I don't know. Yeah. I, like when you were talking, you were saying everybody can't be rich, but I feel like compared to other countries or to compare to a lot of other places, we are already pretty well off. So does us wanting more, does us constantly want to consume, wanting to have money, more money in the bank? Is that us being greedy? Are we, are we going beyond yes. what we need? That's, I, I guess that's the key to my question. Like you already are taken care of and you don't have absolute poverty. 
So anything beyond that is access, right? Exactly. Is is access, but I don't. I think that I don't think there is anything wrong with desiring more. You know, than, than than striving more than what you have. I think the problem lies is when that desire outweighs our desire for more of the things of God. So I think once we start placing our desire for more money or desire for more success in our careers, because I'll be honest, like I'm always desiring more. Like, you know, I, I'm always desiring to see more money in my bank account. I'm always desiring, you know, I'm, I'm trying to finish up, you know, a, a, a post a graduate degree, you know, so I can make more money. And so I can, you know, be able to, you know, not work a nine to five one day and just be able to relax and, you know, just money just come. But also, but it's when that desire turns into, you know, when we, when that desire is put in front of desire, in front of the desire, our desire to seek and do the things of God is where that becomes the problem. And I think, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with excess. It's our attitudes behind behind wanting to get the access because if we're wanting to get the access because we are comparing ourselves to other people then i think we should not do that if we wanted to get the access so you know we can you know be flashy and you know keep it as a lot and, and this goes on a lot in church i've seen it before there's that keep up with the joneses spirit in that run rapping in church so you know sister ron get a new car oh well sister ron got a new car I clap i clap got to get a new car sister ron got a new dress well let me go get two or three you know so i think it's when it turns into that type of spirit is when it gets a little bit dangerous i hope i'm making sense yeah no i think you do and i agree i think the church when we hear like oh the blessings of the lord make it rich we like we take things that say like blessing and automatically equate it to money right instead of Anything else that God could be doing in our lives, we are automatically associate it with funds. I mean, I agree with that because I feel like in the church, the church has adopted a lot of the world's ideals when it comes to success. I think sometimes kind of piggybacking on what Apostle said as far as just having that competitive spirit when it comes to getting things. And I think the church or us in general just need to be careful when we, I don't know, I don't want to say talk about those things, but he's mentioned something about being modest about it Mm -hmm. and having some form of modesty. If you do possess a certain amount of riches per se, and especially people who possess those riches, share it, like share your knowledge of how you, you know, if you're good at brokerage or you know, finance. I don't know what it's called. If you get a finance, you can teach people in the church how to steward their money properly. Or, you know, if it's something that you can know or something that someone else can know to help better themselves, then, you know, it will breed other people in the church who, you know, can have that knowledge and spread that knowledge. And I think once again, like I said earlier, it depends on the person. So if they're willing to share the wealth, not necessarily physically with money, but like, you know, I can give you money, but, you know, I can't give you the tools to continuously have your money, you know, paying you back. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't yeah. think that way. I don't know if it's a cultural thing in some churches. Um, and I know that a lot of African-American churches, they don't really, they're not really financially literate in some areas, like real estate, different, you know, there's different areas where you can make money. So it's not just one. So, I mean, I think that plays a factor, too. And our history 
as uh, the black church and as a whole nother story. But, <laughs> you know, dressing up to go to church, it forces you to put on your best. You know, some people can afford yeah. the best, some people can't. So I guess people comparing. But yeah, I digress. I, I think you made a good point too. First, Mike brought up the fact that we need to be modest. And then you brought up the fact about being a giver. And like, I like both of those concepts. The only thing is that I've also seen unmodest givers, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I remember sitting in a church service uh, during offering. And for some reason, the pastor went through, like, every time we visit this church, they would go through every single member who gave. And like, sister, blah, 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 gave $50. Brother, da, 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 gave $20. And I was just like, why are we doing this? Why is the money taking up more of the service than the actual preaching? And I don't know if you've guys seen that where the focus on money has overcome the focus on Christ. I've definitely seen it. Um, I've seen it in our, you know, in services I've been in. I keep it that way. <laughs> I got scared. I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I've seen it in services that I've sat in. I remember I was somewhere a couple of summers ago. It took an hour to raise the offer. They were asking people to walk up and get $100. I'm all forgiving because I do know the benefits of giving. I know the benefits of, you know, paying. I know the benefits of sacrificially giving. I've been taught that, but I think it's, you know, when we start to, you know, that starts to become our focus in church instead of focusing on what we're there for and focusing on Christ. I think that's where it gets a little bit blind. I was on uh, Instagram and, you know, they got those hashtag praise break video uh, pages and they got, the praise your way page, whatever. But there's this church and there's a lady, I guess she's the pastor. And at offering time, she has this chant. She does money cometh, money, money, money cometh. Like very weird, very strange little mm-hmm. chant that she does while they like give offering. And there's nothing wrong with the, with teaching people the benefits of, of giving. I was taught that from a young age, like the benefits of tithing, the benefits of, you know, blessing the house of God, blessing the man of God, and also giving to the poor. Uh, those are ways to be blessed. But, you know, at the same time, we start to take that focus away and it's always, you know, a process, you know, we always kind of bringing in the message of prosperity, like, you know, oh, the money is coming. The money is coming. Oh, 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 if you lift your hands, the, the money is coming. You know, the your bank account is coming. Oh, there are some certain things like you, you can get money in your bank account if you get a better job. You know, you can get, you know, that car, you know, you got good credit. <laughs> if you have a house and you have a great credit score, you can get a house. And, you know, yes, God's hand is in that as well, whatever, because that's, you know, some things that he's working out, in, you know, behind the scenes. But, you know, when that becomes the focus, instead of the focus being on Christ, whatever. And I think that's the that's the dangerous part about churches now that is is no longer the message of salvation is become a message of prosperity and prophecy. You know, like we're prophesying, you know, all of the, the money, oh, money going to hit your account in two days. That check is going to be there. But what about the person that's sitting in your, in your congregation that's struggling with suicide or somebody, some, cause money don't fix the Bible does say money answer is all things. But, you know, when you're in a, a when you're in church and you got people sitting in your midst, you can't deliver them out of being, 
you know, out of being in the bondage of sin. You know, money money can't fill them with the Holy Ghost. It just can't. You can't buy the Holy Ghost with cash. You know, you can't buy right. deliverance with cash. You can't buy healing. That's just not what you can do. And we start to lose sight of that. And it's constantly, you know, money, 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 and not, you know, you need to be saved. You need deliverance. You need this, that, and the third. I think that's where it kind of gets fuzzy for me. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think, like Mike said, I like half agree with him, but <laughs> I <don't> half agree <laughs> only because I think all Christians should be content with what they have because God is a provider, and if you live a righteous life, He always supplies your needs and then some. Number one. Number two, when you give openly and flamboyantly, that's your praise and recognition right there. You don't get any praise from God or any type of recognition from God because you got it from men and that's all you get. Forgot what scripture that is. And then I think one thing about money in general, I think the church praises it too much by doing all of that, having an offering list, putting up a chart in the lobby of who gave the most, the 1K members, the 1K club. It's also the shame people though. (laughs) Yeah. It breeds a spirit of shame. And people who are given from the right heart and have the right motives don't even feel, I don't know if they've been affected by it. They probably are. I just think it's stupid. And I think that uh, just our priorities aren't right. Like we got to ask God to search our heart as a church or pastors need to. Um, some of them are not even supposed to be pastors. That's why they are struggling so hard <laughs> and have to beg for money like that. Like it doesn't take that much. If you where you're supposed to be in God, he will provide period for pastors, for church members. You know, if you're always expecting that blessing and that equates to money, you need to search your heart and ask God to uproot anything or just ask them, am I prioritizing money more than you? You know, really examine your heart and have them sift it out and work it out because you're never going to progress in God or get deeper in God if you don't ask him if your priorities are out of whack. Yeah, no, I agree. Joseph of Arithmia, he was a rich man. He's the one who gave the tomb to Jesus, but he did it in silence. He moved quietly. You know, you don't have to give so broadly like that. And also, I don't think the church should be requesting it in that way. Honestly, I kind of agree with what you said, Cloud. This is controversial, but you know, if you've been struggling for years to keep your church open because you only got two saints and they're not paying the bills, then maybe <laughs> it's time to, you know, shift. And and like, you know, think about like make it call in an election, sure, you know, and and maybe it's just not it's not that you're not called. Maybe it's just time to think about it again, you know, mm-hmm. like because nobody wants to go to a church and the whole time it's focused on money. Um, nobody does. <laughs> and and you know, and that's not what Christ is for. But the other side of it is that we are we should be givers. And um, so Mike, you brought up a point and I wanted to ask, like, do you guys both believe in uh, paying ties. I've seen a lot yes. of controversy about it. Some people are saying it's part of the Old Testament, so we're not obligated to, and we should just give out of our heart instead of to a forgiver and say a, a cheerful tithe payer. So I agree with them. You know what? It is a part of the Old Testament. So let's move to the New Testament 
when Peter requested everybody to bring everything they had and sell it so that they all can live communally. <laughs> Would we rather do that, you know, or just, you know, provide the 10%? Because the New Testament says that you still have to give regardless. They gave everything they had. They sold all of their possessions to move as one as a church. But didn't they choose to do that? Like, isn't that why, like, Ananias and Sophia died? Because they lied about wanting to give it all up or no? Yeah, they didn't. They hit, They took some of their, yeah, their, their, their profit and lied about giving it all. But mostly everyone pretty much were nomads and gave their all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, would we rather do that? Like, either way, you have to give. And it's not about you. That's the thing. People think that this money is theirs. They think that their job is theirs. God gave you life so you can get up, move your arms, walk to the door, open it. Like, jump in your car that he paid for, that he allowed you to have. Like, I don't get people's logic as why they don't want to give. It's it's a pride thing. And to add to that, like, I, I agree. Like, I'm, I do believe in, in tithing, uh, th- uh, you know, the 10%. I, I believe in tithing. Here's the thing, though. You know, we're required to give, you know, tithes and offering. I would rather pay the 10% than to, you know, as Clap says, sell all my items and live because a communal with. That's communism. I don't want to live with it. I don't want to live with the church folks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, you know, nothing against them. I just rather, you know, you know, be secluded. Um, No, but I think, you know, here's a problem that we run into so often. And and I think Clap brought it up, especially in the black church and Renron did too. Here's a, here's a problem we run into is that, I don't think sometimes, especially these starter ministries or, you know, ministries that are still trying to navigate their way through, you know, these storefront ministries and things like that. We have to learn, you know, especially as people of color, you know, how to, you know, man, how to balance business and balance church. When I say business is how to, you know, properly manage funds and properly, you know, manage, you know, and not overtax people. Because tithes and offering is something that we're required to give, but, you know, we shouldn't be paying a $100 building fund every month and, a, you know, $25, you know, pastor this and a, and a you know, $75 sacrifice this, all of this thing, all these things that's being taxed on the people. If I feel led in my heart to give, you know, the pastor and bless the man of God, that's, that's on me. But when I'm forced to give that or when it's, you know, kind of my feet are held to the fire to give it. I'm giving it grudgingly. I'm not giving it as a cheerful giver anymore. It's, I'm giving that grudgingly. And I think for so long, a lot of a lot of churches, especially our, our black churches, whatever, have overtaxed the people for so long, you know, giving all these things. They don't have a vision and process. Oh, we give it to the building fund. We've been having the same building fund for 25 years and we ain't moved into the new building yet. You know, <laughs> we've been having that same blueprint on the wall for the last 30 years, giving towards this, this, this fund. And we're going to move into a thousand seat sanctuary with only 12 members. You know, we, we have to, you know, do better about, you know, taxing the people of God and, and having all this extra thing stuff require a people to give, you know, or if you don't pay this, such and such, and you need to come see me. And uh, I had a ministry ask me right before I left, 
could uh was there any way I could get a thousand dollar loan to help them pay for their building that they wanted what? to move into? They wanted you to take out a loan for the church. They were asking me. They they called me into this office into a into a meeting one night, and this was before I moved um to to the DC area, and they were just like. Yeah, so how are you going to get your thousand dollars? Can you ask your parents for it? My parents, you know, first of all, my parents are not, they don't go to that church. They're not right. going to give that, you know? Like, why would they? Well, why would they? But then they were like, well, can you take out a loan? Are you able to get a loan for it? I'm not going to get a take out a thousand dollar loan <laughs> in my name for, you know, for, for this church and I'll be paying, you know, no. Oh no. Somebody Proverbs say be shorty for no man. Yeah. And then and then what really made it so crazy, you all, is that when I moved, you know, I it was maybe one or two people called, make check was I was okay, but they made sure to call to see if I could still get this a thousand dollars. So we have to be very careful about how we, you know, tax the people because that's that's where I think a lot of people's downfall, a lot of your church's downfall is. You know, we we are overtaxing the people, especially when you got young people in your church that don't know any better, you know. Manipulation. Yeah. Manipulation. That's what it is, spirit of manipulation. Because either you as a leader, you know, you're not really managing the funds. And that's why I'm saying it's, it's not one particular church. This happens a lot where people don't have proper business, you know, etiquette for church. They trying to be the board of trustees. They trying to be the, the head deacon. They trying to be the accountant. And they don't have like, okay, no, this is the church account and this is my personal business account. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't swipe my card at church and your name comes up on the receipt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it has to be one of those things where we have to learn those things. If we don't, I think a lot of these churches are going to severely suffer. Is your trustee trustworthy? Is your trustee trustworthy? Are they being a good and, steward? And don't, don't, don't get me started on the board of trustees. That's a different, that's a different subject for a different day. I think none of the churches I went to had a board of trustees. Mm-hmm. Church I went, I grew up in, we had a board of trustees, but mm-hmm. I don't know if if the last church I was at had one. Greenleaf had it. I'm dead. <laughs> Greenleaf. <laughs> That's one thing about those Baptist churches. They're going to have a board of trustees. Okay. Oh, no, they definitely. Oh, yes. They run a, a tight ship. They run a tight ship. You won't get I like that there. about them. They got that gift of administration. <laughs> the gift of administration. So, okay. But on the other side of that, all right. So like everybody knows the scripture, Matthew 19, 23, 20 through 24. It's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So like going back to, are we too rich for Christ? Shouldn't there be some type of sacrifice that you are making? Like, I get it. Like there's a time where people are being manipulative. They ask it for too much, but shouldn't we as Christians at some point make a sacrifice, give our last, like that lady did for Elijah. She took the last of her meal. You know, that's what the people talk about when they do an offering. (laughs) (laughs) I believe in paying in ties. It applies. It applies. Scripture appropriation. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, I'm a tie payer. And I don't believe in a, just a 10 percent. That's oh. me. Okay. That's the minimum. I don't know if this is scripture or not, but I, I was raised or taught that like, if you 
like miss giving 10%, you should give like more, you should give like 15 or something like that to make up for the miss. Yeah, it extra was yeah. yeah, give extra five or something. I don't know if that's scripture. I don't think so, but I, I like the philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's stewardship. You, it's kind of like a um, pledge, you know? So keep your word. Right. And honestly, there's never been a time that I gave that I didn't never get it back. Amen. That and that's that's the biggest thing for me with ties. Like when I'm not paying ties, that's when my money goes fast. It, it's really Amen. crazy, but that's literally right. what happens. I run out of money so quickly, and then I'm like, "What happened?" But when I pay my ties, like I pay a bill, like mm-hmm. I have all my money, and then all of a sudden, like somebody, you know how people used to like randomly bless you. Yes. <laughs> drop like fifty dollars in your hand. And be like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I remember the first time me and my cousin went to a church. We didn't have any money, and uh, we had just moved there. It was our first time visiting, and the lady, like we, we found a way to try to give. I think I like scrounged up some coins or something. We just legit did not have any money. We just moved. <laughs> and she was like she gave us twenty dollars and was like go get ice cream and i was like i've never gotten ice cream that cost twenty dollars but thank you because this will go to the gas tank <laughs> like, oh, but it was a blessing i like the thing about it is like god if you put a sacrifice in for him like he's definitely going to give it back and i think going back to what you guys were saying in the beginning being humble about giving um making that sacrifice for him with your riches or you without it, like spending time, whatever you have to do, but making that sacrifice for him is worth it. My pastor used to say that uh, an open hand is like a reservoir because a hand is open. You'll keep getting more to put back into it. A closed fist gets nothing. Right. No, I was going to say, I agree with, um, agree with Ron. Like I, I do think, you know, it should, it should be. And, but, and, but I think too, it should be from the heart. You know, like I think when you sat make those sacrifices like that, because there's been times like, and I think I told you the story. I remember um right before right before I moved, you know, to the DC area, I cleaned out my savings to give towards, you know, the pastor's birthday. And, you know, gave him my last whatever was in my savings account. And so I remember I I didn't know how I was gonna move and God literally made a way out of no way. But it be, was because it was from my heart to make that sacrifice and give. And so I think when you have the right heart and the right agenda to, you know, make the sacrifice and, you know, give your last. So, you know, that God, God, God honors that. But it's that time when, you know, you, you're giving, but it's not from the heart. You doing it just to be doing it. You know, you're doing it to be seen or either you're doing it because, you know, oh, if I don't do, you know, I think that's the kind of the times when it's like, oh, you, you really, if it's outside your ties and offering. And so um, I think that um, it, when it's from the heart, like you won't ever have to worry, but like God's system of giving and 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 of ret- God's system of return on investments never fails. You know, you ain't got to never worry about the stock market of Jesus Christ crashing. You know, you ain't got to never worry about the the you know the the system that God has put in place to bless us through giving. You don't have to ever worry about that failing. So sorry. Okay, one one last question because this is personal for me. Um, if you have it. 
Are you obligated to give it? You know, the scripture talks about giving to the poor and giving to those in need. So if you're able to help someone, should you? Do you have to? No. Mm. No. No. Okay. I'll explain. <laughs> She's just like, no. I'll explain at the pause. Go ahead. No, well, I'm kind of torn, but I would say yes, like, because the Bible does tell us that the poor will always be among us. And so I think that in that case, if you can help someone, like if it's some and I, I'm trying, I guess I'm I'm I hope I'm answering your question correctly. Um if it's somebody that I know, especially somebody in church with me and I know they don't have it or they're going through like, and I have it, whatever, I'm, I probably will, you know, like give them that whatever so they can have and, and do what they need to do with it and stuff. And like, for me, like if I loan someone, if I give you money, like I, I give it to you with the expectation, I'm probably not going to get it back, but that's another subject for another day. But if it's someone on the street, or something like that. Like I will offer to buy you something to eat. Like I'll offer to, cause I've, I've learned like not to give people money, you know, because first of all, I'm not going to encourage your hand and anything illegal that you're doing. But you know, at the same time, like if you need a hot meal, like I'll go get you a hot meal. If you need food, I'll go get you some food. If you need clothes, like I'll go get you some clothes or give you something out of my closet to wear, you know, because obviously you stand in need of that. So I hope that answers your question, Ron. Yeah. No. It's like I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> you said all of that positive stuff, and you're like, no, <laughs> no. It's like no. Um, I think yes and no. It ver- it depends on the situation because you can give. You're supposed to give to the poor, but you're supposed to give with wisdom. So, kind of like I'm agreeing with what Mike said, but also you have to basically. He said if he knew the person, he knew what they were going to he, going through. He was going to provide help. And it's kind of like, well, you got to evaluate the person. Like, do you, how well do you know this person? What are their habits with finances? Because if they don't have a good track record, even credit bureaus look at that. If you don't have a good track record, we're not going to lend you the money or just give you the money, you know? So it's like, and when you give, you're not supposed to expect nothing back or bring it up ever. That's the way I was raised. But um, yeah, if you, it depends on the person. Like, I agree with Mike. I'm all for giving. Like, I'll give, give, give. Like, I had one girl, she needed a couple, some few dollars. And I was like, well, here you go. And then um, for a bill. So I was like, well, here you go, whatever. And then she hit me up two weeks later and was like, oh, I need gas money. And I'm like, hmm. So I was like, well, where you going? What you need? I'll take you there. (laughs) So, and then come to find out she was trying to go to some recording session up in Baltimore. I was like, (laughs) there's a bus, there's a Mark train that goes to Baltimore. But my thing is that if you don't have money, then why are you entertaining your hobbies? You need to be focused on, you know, getting your finances together. You already borrowed money from my other friend. Like, you need to get that together. So my thing is just having wisdom not to overgive because people are going to get used to it. They're going to come back expecting more. And you'd be like, look, I can help you with your finances. Give me your bank account, you know, your your statements. And we're going to see where the problem is, boo-boo. <laughs> so, it, yeah. But definitely give to the poor. Definitely. Yeah. 
like with Mike, if someone's on the street, I would offer them food, a food or clothing. That's all, you know, because I don't know what you're going to do with the money. And I mean, if I do give a couple of dollars, you know, and whatever they do with it is on them. They'll be held accountable for that um, with God. But I know that I gave it out of a giving heart so they can get something or go somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you guys. I think, honestly, I think it's something that you need to pray about because I, I'm torn because there are people like I remember I was uh, living in New York and this is when um, I was like living in poverty because I was doing AmeriCorps. <laughs> and like, I think I had like $4 in my account, but they had a dollar pizza. And so I was like, I'm going to get this pizza and a drink and I'm going to try to like make this money last until I get paid in the next like three or four days. And like, <laughs> um, this, like this lady, she like asked me if I can like help her get food. And so I did. But like, she was like, and can I get this too? And can I get this too? And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And like, basically ate all my money up. But like, that was fine. God worked that out. I'm still here. So, you know, going with alcohol is not bad. But anyway, (laughs) like, well, maybe, and and, and that's the thing. Like, um, sometimes like, I think that maybe it's a test of contentment. Like, can you like fast in order to sacrifice for someone? Or maybe somebody is like your hey guy. Is it hey guy or Hagar? The guy who uh the prophet who married the whore. So God Hosea. can show a lesson. Oh, Hosea. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's a lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, like maybe someone is that to you where like God is trying to like teach something or get some glory out of it. And even though they keep coming to you for money or keep asking you for X, Y, and Z, maybe that's your assignment is to be there for them. I don't know. That's just, I don't know. I'm one of those people, if I don't see it in the Bible done or stated, I kind of just do it that way. Only because like, even when Peter saw the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and it was called beautiful, that gate. And he's like, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have is the gospel. So he was willing to share the gospel. I mean, and the part of being in the gospel is having your needs supplied, no matter what. God just does that for you. Um, No matter how grand or small it may be to you, he still supply your needs somehow. but that's just my take on it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that's forgotten when we do give. Like, it's good to give things. But, like, I know I forget to sometimes share the gospel because I'm on a run. <laughs> right. That's true. That is very true. That even with giving, we need to be focused on God. And the best gift to give is um it's him. So everything, last thing I have to say, we really got to keep God in the forefront when we do anything. Like you said, pray about it, but we can't forget to keep God in the forefront of every decision that we make. Um, I think that's key. And I think we forget to do that in general on any decision that we make. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) I think that's good. I think that's a good way to wrap up this conversation is to keep God in the forefront. Can I have some money from (laughs) y'all? Y'all, look, I didn't get a stimulus check. So if y'all want to share some of y'all stimulus, it's like... (laughs) 
good at six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars goes so far. I know, like that's a bill. <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I did. I was like, oh well, thanks for the part of my rent a little bit. All right. Right. Well, we're hopeful. I was seeing fourteen hundred shifting, but anyway. Yeah. I was yes. like, good old Joe. Hey. <laughs> <No. laughs> I'm not left wing. I'm not right wing. I'm just like she said. Jesus is king. <laughs> That's what I say because I feel like I don't know what both sides doing right now. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. We need a new party. <laughs> Can we have a middleman? <laughs> so, uh, music ministry. Yes, it's time for the music ministry of the Pew Babies. What have you all been listening to that's been blessing your spirit? This song takes me back and it gets me super excited it's it's not that old honestly but um keep on moving on by hezekiah walker oh, yes, that's a I, like it is such i don't know it's a really great song the son of god i came back to this song um by nathaniel basie here i'll play a little bit of it But it's just like a nice feel good song. And then um one of my friends, he sent me the Lord song by Miranda Curtis. And I want to say like within the first like 30 seconds, you're like already in worship. <laughs> um, but I'll just play a little bit of it. But yeah, I just been kind of in a worship mood this week. So um, those are some of the songs I've been listening to. All right, Sister Clap. Yeah, so I don't have my phone to play a clip for y'all. All right, so I've been into the... Uh, oh, my phone just charged. I'm sorry. I've been into the Christian go-go scene. I'm in the Washington, D.C. era. Don't do your face Christian like that, go-go. Yes, back in high school, I used to listen to... Um, what is it? What's that band called? I'm going to play a little bit. My phone just died, y'all. Just bear with me. You can come back to me, Mike. <laughs> so this week, I'm only going to play a couple of songs for you. Uh, one I discovered yesterday. I was listening to a radio show out of Detroit that plays on Good Gospel Music. I'm only going to play a little bit of this. This is Elder Lee Yearby. Yearby. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It's called Storefront Church Medley, the single. And here it is. Come on and praise him. I've been jamming to that it's really catchy medley. Uh, also, uh, Sean Xavier Jones and um, the company got a song called Second Chronicle 714. I'm not going to play it, but a really good hit. And also, Lift Him Up by DeMario has been on my playlist this week as well. Two things. First, Denise Pace, in honor of her, 
Um, you guys should definitely listen to Contentment uh, by the Pace Sisters. I know the Pace Sisters. Um, that's a good song that goes with our topic for today. But also, <laughs> just the um, the Return for Me album is just a really great album overall. So um, that was one of their latest albums that came out, and I was super hype about it. Second, did you listen to the James Fortune album, Mike? The new one that dropped on the new year. I mean, not James Fortune, JJ Harrison. Did you listen to the JJ Harrison? I did Harrison? listen to some of it. Um, I definitely like the one. Um, what's the shout track? Um, the I'm Alive. Yes, let me go look. Hold on. I was surprised that every track was almost eight minutes long or more. I was like, my God. <laughs> You're going to live. No, they had me. time. <laughs> You're going to live. Um, yes, You're going to live. David Wilford is an amazing singer. He's from Delaware. Woo woo! Shout out. Yeah, all right. He was on Sunday Best. Don't play him. Oh, he was. Congratulations. <laughs> he didn't. Did he no, win? He didn't win, but it don't matter because they get exposed. Yeah. So that was a smart move. But that's what got me into the go-go scene. JJ new album. I was like, oh snap! But I'm gonna play Exodus Band. Uh, I used to listen to them. Basically, they just took all gospel songs and did a go-go beat to it. So, all my Washingtonians out there, shout out to y'all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh-uh, see? That's why y'all don't understand. But growing up, go-go was a thing. Um, they had church go-go because we couldn't go to the real go-go's. So, they had gospel go-go. I love go-go music. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ron ain't with it. Ron ain't with it. She from Delaware, so she don't know. Oh, oh. <laughs> hold on. Don't try to play. <laughs> oh, here go You're a Lord of All by JJ. Um, JJ Harrison off his new album, Not Holding Back. I've been cranking this joint too. So you already know he from DMV. So my parents loved it. I knew there was a reason I did not <laughs> like that song anymore. I was like, I've heard this song. <laughs> it's something's wrong with it. Don't go beat. Don't do us like no. that. You know, don't silence DC. Do not silence yeah. DC. That was a whole movement. Don't mute DC. Was it mute? Yeah, don't mute us. Go go is our things. I hear. Trying to mute them at one time. They were. I'm like, not the. You gotta have go go with mumble sauce. Mm-hmm. But anyway, see the little delis, them delis. Speaking of foreign language, okay. <laughs> did y'all have like what is did the Delaware have any like isms <laughs> or like? We have. Do they have any scrapple and tax free shopping? And we don't have music and bingo. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway not music not go-go mike you want to close us out i gotta actually do my hymn i actually won't do a hymn this week um i do father i 
Asterix. Is that a him? Yeah. My hand. What do you mean? Hand to the Oh, Lord. She got this horrible audio. Well, and singing. Oh, well, I know. I'm like, well. You're making so much work for me right now. I'll cut it. Just cut it. <laughs> All right. That was our music ministry of the Pew Babies. He let me do it. Don't ever... Apostle, stop me next time. <laughs> Watch me crash and burn. That's all good. All right. So benediction. Oh, closing remarks. Any final remarks? Clap felt like she'd been silenced. So. <laughs> no closing remarks. Okay. So let's just go ahead and do benediction. Let the words of my mouth. Let the words of my mouth. Meditation of my heart. And the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight. Be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. My strength. My strength. And my redeemer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Love somebody. Else. My life was 2021. Party. We out. I'm a pew baby.